0: Father, we thank you for that love that never fails, that hesed love that reaches us, that unconditional love, your mercy, your grace. We thank you, Father, for every morning your mercies are new. We thank you, Father, for your love holds us, Father. And we thank you, Father, for your grace is sufficient. And no matter what we're going through, we've gone through where we've been, we know that your love remains. Father, we thank you for that love. We thank you, Father, for that mercy. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. And, Father, the fact that your love remains. Father, we repent for sometimes taking that love for granted. Father, for sometimes being like the prodigal son that said, just give me, and we go. But we thank you, for you are a loving Father who sees us. You redeemed us and you restore us, and we thank you, Father. For no matter what we've been through or gone through, you are there. And Lord, as Paul wrote, now remain these things, but the greatest of them all is love. Father, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you say this morning, God, I thank you for your love. One more time, God, I thank you for your love. Amen and amen. Can you give God a hand of praise this morning? Turn around and bless somebody. Say good morning to somebody and bless them. Give them a high five or... What not? Javi and Kathleen, congratulations. I saw there's an engagement that took place about a month or two ago, so congratulations. I saw you guys set a wedding date for next year, so congrats, congrats, and uh, keeping God first, man, and that's going to take care of everything else, amen? Praise the Lord. Yeah, that would be phenomenal if you guys can help me out with that. Praise God. Man, God is so good, and he is so awesome. And he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, and um, he's always in complete control. Yeah, just a little bit more. more. That's fine. It's good. He never lets go. He's always there. And no matter what we've been through, we can take it to the bank that his faithfulness remains. And sometimes we see things happen in life and we wonder why, but man, as Alex preached last week, when he closed out and he mentioned that, song, that, that, that part of Scripture in Matthew. Where it rains upon the just and the unjust, right? Where Jesus said, and the winds came and the rain blew and the flood came, right? And depending on where we built is whether we're going to remain. And when we build upon the rock that is Jesus, things will be okay. And when you build on a solid foundation, things will be okay. And I challenge you as you walk in and online campus as you're tuned in, build upon the rock, the solid foundation. And many times we do wanna invest on the things that everybody sees and we need to realize that we need to invest on the foundation which no one sees because on the strength of the foundation, Everything else will lie. And I'm not sure who that's for this morning, but build on that foundation. Solidify your foundation so that everything may remain. Amen? This summer, as we were on our road trip, uh, one of the things that we had a few little inside jokes with the girls um, and it was usually Patty and I saying something over and over and over again until the point that the girls were like, stop already, right? But every time we would see a mobile home that was being transported like in two pieces or three pieces, you know what I'm talking about? We'd be like, hey, look, guys, those houses, they come in pieces, and when they get to the place, they put them together. Like, stop mentioning it, right? Man, those houses aren't put on solid foundations. They're put on cross spaces. They're not put on something that's solid, which is why you can move them and just put it. And that's not the place where you want to be when there's a storm coming. Because, in the same way that it was attached to a somewhat of a foundation, it can be ta- detached. And so I pray that in your life, you would build on the solid foundation, which is Christ. Come on, give God one more hand of praise. So, we're kicking off a new series today. That is titled Beyond Blessed. Now, how many of you want to live a life that is beyond blessed? Anybody here want to live a life that is beyond blessed? So I'll preach to the seven of you that raised your hands. That's all right. Um, The rest of you, you, that's okay. I'll take your blessing. And I'm okay with that one. So I want you to close your eyes for a minute. You online also close your eyes unless you're driving because you're listening to this on Spotify. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine with me for a minute. I want you to imagine a life where at the end of the month there's still money left over and not where at the end of the money there's still month left over. I want you to imagine a life where there's no worry about the finances. I want you to imagine a life where you can sleep and rest well because there's no worry on the finances. I want you to imagine a life where the highlight of your day is when you're in a grocery store or supermarket or you're somewhere and you see that, that, that single mom or that widow or that family that's counting pennies and clipping everything to try to make ends meet. And you're able to walk up to them and say, here's $50 or here's $100 that God wants you to have so that you know that he's got you. I want you to imagine that life. And I want you to ask yourself the question: does that life seem good? See, I don't know about you, but to me that seems like a good life. Now I want to tell you something. that's not the picture of a wealthy life, of a wealthy person. That's not the picture of a life of a wealthy person. As a matter of fact, you would be shocked at the number of millionaires and billionaires that commit suicide every year. You'd be shocked. People that you would think and say, with that amount of money, everything should be fine. But the reality is that we have people chronically living in ways where they cannot do what they want to do or should do. And can I tell you that it's not because of lack of resources. It's because of poor stewardship. See, the life that I just had you imagine is not the life of a wealthy person. It's the life of a good steward. The life of a good steward. Now, I'm going to be very upfront and clear. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks. We're going to be talking about stewardship. Now, I'm not going to be talking about money. Money will be mentioned, but that's not the key here. Stewardship, if you look up the definition of a steward, and it's going to pop up behind me. and I'm going to out of place, but a steward is a person who manages or administers, is responsible for managing another's. Money, property, or etc. A couple of years ago, we did a series based on the book The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. Now, this book focused on generosity, it focused on you being a generous individual. But can I tell you what something that Pastor Robert talked about uh, and, and something that I've heard myself as a pastor is people that come up and say, You know, I tried it and it didn't work. I tried to be generous, but I can't. I don't have enough to be generous. I don't have enough left over to be generous. I tithe and it didn't work for me. And this is the revelation that comes to light when you hear that. It's not the fact that you tried and it didn't work. It's mainly the fact that people are poor stewards. Because the living a life that is blessed, and what we're talking about right now, a life beyond blessed, beyond blessing, is built on two legs. The first leg being generosity, and the other leg being stewardship. Generosity and stewardship. What happens the majority of the time? The majority of the time, we have people that are living outside of their means. What do I mean by outside of their means? Your salary is $1,000, so you spend $1,500. I don't care if you're a tither. You will never be able to be walking in God's beyond blessing if you make a thousand and spend fifteen hundred, and it's not God not working, it's us being a poor steward. Stewardship is the key on which our life is built that we can then walk in blessings and be able to be a blessing to other people. Because you know what I've learned? It, this is so like, it's gonna blow your mind away. Like, you need an advanced college degree for this. Are you ready? You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. And I may see somebody struggling and have every desire prompted from the Lord to give them something. But if I don't have it, I can't. And so we're talking about stewardship. Why? Because we need your money. No, I'm going to let me relieve you of something. I don't need your money. 3W Church does not need your money. And definitely God does not need your money. And you'll see in a moment, all of it belongs to him. You know what we are? We are vessels that God uses to funnel his blessing to other people. Let me show you in the Bible. Go to Genesis chapter 12, verse number 2. Genesis 12, 2, and look at what God says there in Genesis 12, 2. And be ready to jot down. We're going to go through like 10 verses today, which is usually not the norm, but we're going to go through about 10 different verses today. Genesis 12, 2, this is what God says there to Abraham in Genesis 12, Verse number two, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you can die with a large bank account. Is so that's not what it said. Media team, can you guys get with me there today? It says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you shall be A blessing. It wasn't I'm going to bless you so that you can end up with a lot of toys and bells and whistle. Is I am blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others. That tells me, according to scripture, if I'm not walking in the way that God can use me to bless other people, God will stop blessing me. Stewardship and generosity. Let's talk about that stewardship part for a second. If you are generous but a bad steward, God can't bless you because he can't trust you with what he already gave you. If I go up to Aaron and say Aaron, here's 10 bucks. I need you to go and buy lunch for Mike with these 10 bucks. And in your mind, you get it and you say, well, if I take him to McDonald's and buy a burger from the value meal, a a dollar fries and a dollar soda, I give him the meal and I get to pocket $6.42, whatever was left over of the $3 plus tax. Well, guess what? I will not be able to trust you to do that again because you used what I gave you. Technically, you did it, but to pocket more for you. I can't trust you anymore. And in the other side of that, if you are a very good steward but not generous, God can't bless you either. Why? Because you're not using it to funnel to bless other people. So why am I going to give you something if you don't use it to bless other people? See, we are called by God to be good stewards and to be generous. God blesses and rewards your efforts of being a better steward. And that life that we pictured a few minutes ago, we can have it if we consistently live within our means. That's not popular because you know what is popular? Keeping up with the Joneses. You see somebody put their vacation photos on Instagram and you look up, oh, what hotel is that? Oh, let me go ahead and check and see how much that is a night and see if I can go there too. And then if you see how much it was, let's say it was very expensive, you're like, oh, man. They, they, they must be loaded. Like, I want what they have. You immediately began to be envious and covetousness and idle what they have instead of doing what God calls us to do, of being a good and wise steward. And then the person who is a good steward, and let's be real, who is cheap, tacaño, and not generous, God's not going to bless you either because you're keeping it all for you instead of using it to bless other people. I want to be very clear. Is it wrong to acquire wealth? No. Is it wrong to have a retirement set up so that when you retire, you can you know, live la dulce vida and travel and do whatever you want to do? No. Is it wrong to prepare an inheritance to leave your children? No. But if all that you do is with that focus and you don't allow or hear the voice of God to be a blessing to people, then the blessing cannot come to you. Because we are called to be a conduit where it comes in to be a blessing to other people. So some of you are looking at me with those eyes. I can read it. I'm trying not to look around too much because I feel them penetrate. And you're asking this question. I'm at church. Pastor, why are you talking about money? Why are you talking about money in church? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but some of you are thinking online campus is probably thinking it too. Some of you might have just turned off the program already. Why are you talking about money at church? Well, I'm going to tell you why. The Bible talks about money. None of you get offended if I do a series on prayer. As a matter of fact, one of the best reviews on a series we did was on the one on prayer that we just finished. None of you get offended if we do a series on family. Nobody gets offended if you do a series on, on, on all of these things, faith, and, and, and nobody gets offended. But if you talk about money, people get offended. Did you know there's 36 parables that Jesus said and 16 of them are about money or finances? 16 out of 36. I mean, I'm pretty good at math, and you don't have to be very good at math to know that that's about 50% of the parables that Jesus talked about was about finances or money. Matthew chapter six, verse 21, Jesus said this, where your heart is, there your treasure is, or where your treasure is, there your heart is. I'm sorry, I flipped it. Where your treasure is, there's your heart. What is Jesus trying to teach us when it comes about money and it comes about finances? If your focus is the money, your heart is sick. How many of you have heard the saying, money is the root of all evil? Y'all heard that before? Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Can I tell you something? Money is neither good nor bad. Money is an inanimate object. It is neither good nor bad. Now, whoever has it and how they steward it, that's the key of the heart. So Jesus talked about this. The Bible talks about it. And as I said before, God doesn't need your money. And I'm going to be like, look. In our church, we never pick up extra offerings. We actually don't even pick up offering in services. We have no time for pick up offering. There's a bucket. You have the conviction of your heart to obey God, you're going to put it, or, or a box in the front. If you don't, that's you and God. I don't need it. 3W doesn't need it. God doesn't need it. It's you who need the blessing from God. And you walk in the right way that God wants you to walk. So, where is our treasure? Now, I read it in Genesis chapter 12, and I want you to jot it down. God blesses us to be a blessing. Many people think that it is wrong to ask God for a better job, to ask God for a raise, to ask God for prosperity, for ask God to take care of him. Some people think that that is an ill prayer. I should not pray for God to bless me. But that's not biblical. Biblical. Look at what 1 Chronicles chapter 4, 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. It's the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez, this is a very popular book that came out years ago and the prayer of Jabez was this. Now it says, "Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain." The name Jabez literally means he who means he who causes pain parto, Right, like that was a bad birthing process. It was painful and there was no epidural back then. So she said, his name shall be pain. And what did he then say in the next verse? And Jabez called on the God of Israel. He prayed saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Prayed for provision. Enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. In other words, bless me that I can bless people or help people instead of causing pain to people. And watch, look what God says, look what it says there. So God granted him what he requested. God granted what he requested. So is it wrong to ask God to bless you? No. The question is, what are you going to do with the blessing? Do you know what the majority of people in America do? I can't speak for the world, but I'm assuming it's going to be similar. But the most of people in America do this. They make $1,000 a month or $1,000 a week and they spend 1,500. They get a raise that they prayed for or worked for and now they make $2,000 a, a week and they spend 2,700. I read a statistic that about 70% of people spend their tax return as soon as they file their taxes and are told what the amount that is coming is. They spend it, probably on a credit card. And you know what happens when the tax return then comes in? They usually don't pay off the credit card. They already use that money now for something else. So instead of having a $5,000 return, they're in the hole, 10 dollars It's what the majority of the people do. That is called poor stewardship, not lack of blessing from God poor stewardship. Are you getting the picture of what I'm talking about here? I'm not talking about us giving more. I'm talking about us figuring out where we're doing it wrong so that we can walk a life the way that God wants us to walk. A life where we are a blessing to other people. A life where we can walk in blessing. Why? Because we are stewarding what God has given us. I'm gonna be very frank and honest. I'm not perfect at this. Any stretch of the imagination, one of the conversations I had with my wife yesterday as I've been prepping for the series, I started prepping for the series in May because I don't like talking about money. The first time I ever preached on money was two years ago, and I did that series, and that was eight years into the church. And I haven't preached on money since then, and we're doing a stewardship series now. I don't like talking about money. Why? Because most people hear the word stewardship and think money in church, they're going to ask for money. I've been there. I don't do that. I've been parts where that happens, where you pay for a conference and you go to the conference and then they pick up an offering too. It's like, no, I paid for the conference. What are you picking up an offering for? Right? Like I paid for a ticket. And so the church has gotten a bad definition of what stewardship is. It's not about giving. It's about living in in, in the blessing. We quote this verse. You guys are gonna be able to finish it with me. Are you ready? My God shall supply. My my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Yes, amen. Can I tell you that many of the times the needs God has already provided for, you just wasted it on something else and were a bad steward. I had somebody tell me the other day, Pastor, I'm trying to do so much better. I cut my cable and now I'm only streaming. Okay, awesome. And I asked this question, so what was your bill? It was X amount of money. And they told me what the X amount of money was, and I said, awesome. So what are you doing now? I was like, well, I increased my internet speed. And I got a Netflix account, and I got a Hulu account, and I got an ESPN account, and, and because it bundles with Disney+, Plus, and I got the HBO, and when I totaled it all, they were spending more money than the cable bill. That's poor stewardship. It's poor stewardship. So I had a conversation with my wife yesterday. We just had Abigail's birthday party, and we kind of planned, okay, here's a birthday coming. We're going to set aside the money. But I told her yesterday, I said, you know what we need to do a better job of is in the beginning of the year, we need to sit, project the year, and say each birthday party is not going to exceed this amount. We're going to set aside the money for it, and that's what we're going to budget and stay at because that's stewardship. Because before you realize it, something can get out of control. And then you have an actual emergency and you need to buy something and you can't. Your dishwasher breaks, your refrigerator breaks, something happens and you're there buying ice packs or trying to do things to keep your meat okay because you can't go buy the new $1,000 refrigerator because you can't even put it on the credit card because you had maxed out the credit card buying the pair of shoes that God didn't tell you to buy. Uh Stewardship. Stewardship. God Blesses us to be a blessing. But what's the principle of stewardship? And in order to understand the principle of stewardship better, you need to understand this. Actually, everything belongs to God. It all belongs to God. When you understand that everything belongs to God. You will be more generous and a better steward. So let me read you what the Bible says about the things belonging to God. Psalm 24 Verse number one, Psalm 24, one says this, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything on the earth is God's. That's what that verse says. And then you flip 26 chapters to to chapter number 50 and verse number 10 of chapter number 50 says this, for every beast of the forest is mine. This is God talking. And the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and all the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. Can I I translate that for you? God is saying, if I were hungry, I wouldn't ask you to make me a barbecue. I'd go take one of the cows that's already mine and eat it. God doesn't need your money. God, as a matter of fact, wants to give you everything that is his. He just wants you to be a good steward of it. And understand that it's not ours, it's his. Now, when you understand that it's God's, we need to get to this next very true biblical principle. The first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. I'm going to read you three passages that talks about the first belonging to God. The first one is in Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, verse number one and two. God says to the children of Israel through Moses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, is mine. It's God talking. He's saying, the first is mine. Then you flip over to verse uh, chapter 23, verse 19. Again, God talking to the children of Israel says, the first of the first fruits of your land shall you bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in a mother's milk. Now, that second sentence there, believe it or not, is the, is the word or the phrasing Where Jews in Judaism that believe in kosher and will not eat dairy mixed with meat, it is based on that sentence. That is the only sentence where that talks like that in the Bible. And off of that one sentence, they have built an entire doctrine that you cannot put cheese on a hamburger. And the thought process, as you read it and you go through the history of the land they were in at the moment, who worshiped these gods of goats or or the goat god and things of that nature, there was most likely a pagan practice where they would boil a certain animal in the milk of the mother. And so God is very clear saying, don't do that. And off of that, they build that whole craziness. Now, let's go back to the first sentence. The first of the first fruit of your land shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. The first of the first fruit. Why? Because that is an act of faith. You don't wait till you have the entire harvest and say, okay, now I'm going to go do it. The first belongs to God. The first of the first fruits. And then if you go over one more time, flip to the beginning to Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. This is Cain and Abel. And it says that in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. The biggest difference between them two after the course of time was that Cain brought him something after the course of time and Abel brought him his first fruit his first lamb now some of you are looking at me again with those eyes of love and you're thinking this well that's all old testament tithing is actually of the law that was in the law and i don't believe in tithing because that was the law that was old testament well if you believe that it was old testament first things for first we can talk about jesus he talked about tithing in the new testament but the story of Cain and Abel that I just read to you happened at about 4,000 B.C., 4,000 B.C., 4,000 before Jesus was born. If you remember, you know, the years go all the way to zero, then they start canning up in A.D., Anadomi. So 4,000 B.C. was more or less the time when Cain and Abel bring this offering to God. One pleased God, the other one didn't. Abraham in Genesis talks that he also got the tithe and gave it to Melchizedek, who was the high priest. Right. That happened at about 2000 B.C., 2000 years after Cain and Abel. The law of Moses took place in 1500 B.C., which means that for about 2500 years before the law, the principle of giving God the first already existed because it is a God principle not a law. It's not religion. It's a principle. There's a very big difference. There's a difference. So if we break it down to that, that everything belongs to God and the first belong to God, then we understand this. The tithe does belong to God. The tithe belongs to God. Some of you don't like this preaching and that's okay. You can be mad at God in the Bible because I'm reading you scripture. Because I want for you a life that is beyond blessed. Because the only way that we can reach the world is by showing the love of God. And it's very difficult to show the love of God without filling the needs of the world. I mean, James talked about it. If you see somebody cold, don't just go pray for them. Give them a blanket. But you can't give what you don't have. And many times what we don't have is because of poor stewardship. And so we should ask ourselves the question, God, do you want me to buy this? There's a lot of things that I want that I either save until I have it to buy it, or I just realize, well, I don't need that. And I'm not the best at this. I just told you, I I talked to my wife. We need to do a better job of this for next year. We need to plan it and stick to it. Because many of my needs, God already gave me what I needed for it. But I spent it on something else. In this country, we are graduating people with $100,000 or $200,000 in student loan debt. And many of them to get jobs that are not even in their field and paying minimum wage. I said it earlier, my favorite school is the University of Miami. Come on, it's all about the U, and one day the football program will get good again. Congratulations, by the way, to Texas A&M for knocking off Alabama. When I was gonna go to college, I could have gone to the University of Miami, fulfilled my being a cane, but I went to FIU. Why? Because I had a full scholarship at FIU. And so I graduated without student debt, which I would have had if I graduated from UM, that I might have still been paying today 20-some-odd years after graduating. And why was I able able to do what I did? Because of decisions of stewardship. I'm going to be very honest and transparent, okay? When I was 18 and I graduated high school, my brother got married that year, so it was just my mom and me. My mom could not afford the three-bedroom house that we rented because my brother had now his own family and moved away, right? Like, it's, it's life. She couldn't afford it. So I had a decision. I could go get a full-time job making more money and working extra shifts and doing all kinds of stuff to stay where we were, or I could make a stewardship decision to sacrifice my comfort, and her comfort for the next four years. And so I went and I searched and I found a one-bedroom apartment that as an 18-year-old man I shared with my mom for four years so that I could go to school full-time and we could graduate. And one of the first things I did when I got hired at Bowman Foster Ash in August of that following year was go find a two-bedroom apartment. One of the first things I did. Because now it was within my means. It wasn't for the previous four. What am I getting at church? Many times we are in the ditch that we are in because of choices that we made. I have to do this hobby. I need to do this. I can't without that. When we understand that we're putting ourselves in a bad spot, we can't walk in the blessing and the fullness of God. And it's personal choices that we made that's why we're talking about stewardship. Every single one of us, if we truly look at our stuff, there's things that we, is, is it wrong to splurge? No. Is it wrong to go on vacation? No. We already booked our vacation for next year. And I actually went to the bank and opened an additional savings account. And I am putting aside every single month, I am putting aside a certain amount of money so that when we go on the vacation next year, I already have it there. Not that I put it on credit and then take another seven or eight months to pay it off. Is it wrong to use a credit card? Nope, I almost pay everything exclusively in credit card, but I use it as a charge card. If you're old enough, you know what a charge card was. You had to pay it off at the end of the month. I just accrue my points. Our vacation airline tickets that we just booked for vacation next year, totally on on points, on my miles, my airline miles. My five airline tickets cost us $52, $29 each way. Do the math on that, I did that math, 29 plus 29. $58 $58 and years of accruing my miles. That was stewardship. Oh, why are you able to do this? Why are you able to do that? Because and, and we look and we compare ourselves. Do you know what the worst thing to bad stewardship is? It's called Instagram and Facebook. That is the worst thing to good stewardship. Because this is what it does. You see that so-and-so bought a new car, so now you start looking for a new car and finding everything wrong with your car. And before you know it, we're again in a bad situation. Church, God wants us to walk in blessing and beyond blessing, but the two legs that it walks on are generosity and stewardship. And again, a steward is a person who is managing what belongs to someone else. And so when you and I understand that what we have the luxury to call ours the deed of my house, the title of my car, when we realize that it's not mine to begin with, it doesn't hurt if God says, give this to somebody. Why? Because I realize I'm a conduit. And as it comes, it goes. Last year at one point, I, I, I got to hear an amazing testimony from some people in our church, and I got to hear it from both angles. See, I had one person come to me and say, Pastor, I I, got to tell you something that happened to me. He said, I really wanted to be able to do X, Y, or Z, especially for ministry. And I didn't want to even ask the church about getting this equipment, so I went out and I bought it. And then I came to church that week, and somebody came up to me and said, God told me to give you this. And when I got to my car and I opened it, it was the amount of money to cover what I had just bought. And I heard it from the other person that said, Pastor, I'm trying to listen to the voice of God when He tells me to be generous. And I got to church, and I always keep cash in my wallet. And if I do an extra job here or there and they pay me, I always keep it there. After I give God what's his, I always keep it there because, like, you know, if I need to buy this or that, I have that emergency, right? And I was in church and I was in worship and God said, give it to so-and-so. And And I was like, what? And I wrestled with God for the entire service because I was thinking, what are they going to think when I give it to them? Are they going to be insulted? Are they going to be offended? So finally... I was like, okay, if they haven't left yet, and and, and there they were, so they went and they said, God told me to give you this. Don't open it now, it's just God told me to give it to you. She says, am I crazy? And I said, you know, that person called me the other day and told me that they had been praying and they had done this and that or the other and the amount you gave them was exactly the amount that they had spent on something else. You didn't miss God. Church, I can tell you testimonies like that of tons of people. But you cannot walk in generosity if you're a poor steward. And God will never bless with more he who doesn't steward well what he has already given them. The same way that we don't give our kids more if they can't handle they currently have. So church, is it possible to live in that dream? Yes. And how do we get there? We get there by stewarding what God has given us to the best of our ability so that God can then be faithful with more. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Father, this morning, I know this was a heavy, loaded message. And Father, it's heavy and loaded for many of us because it hits us hard. Perhaps because we grew up coming from an immigrant, as an immigrant, or with l- little things. And so we guard every single cent and penny and think it's all on the sweat of my brow. And so it hurts us hard, but I pray, Father, that we may understand that we're just following biblical principles, Lord, that everything is yours and the fullness of the earth is yours, and we can walk as wise stewards who will administer what is yours to the best of our ability so that we can bless other people around us. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We're going to get into worship for a couple of minutes and Pastor Fernie's going to come up and close out service. But we, when we talked about The Blessed Life two years ago, we gave away one of the books to every family member, every family. And so if you never got one because you weren't part of our church at that point, um, we have a few left. And... Um, we have them in the bookstore. They're 10 bucks, but I'm willing to sew it into you. I'll give it to you. I, 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 we don't need it. So if you did not get a copy of The Blessed Life, come see me after service or see somebody in the front. We'll have them there and we'll just give it to you one per family, one per family, until we run out of them because we want you. We have it in Spanish as well, by the way. We want you to walk into godly principles and understand what it is and why we do it. Come on, do worship the Lord this morning.